here this evening. Thankful for the people that you brought out. I pray that we can be equipped to go out and be a light for you. I pray that you'd be glorified in everything that is taught and said in worship tonight. I pray that your salvation is presented and help us to really learn and grow and to go deeper in this in your name. Amen. I don't want to over-exaggerate this, but I believe this teaching tonight on the parable of the sower is one of the most important teachings. Not because of my words, but because of the actual teaching that's happening here of the parable of the sower and the seed. Richard and I have spent many hours together in cars, driving to different visits, appointments, etc. And we have come to the conclusion, because we're both very brilliant people, that the parable of the sower and the seed is the most important parable in the entire Bible. If you can understand the parable of the sower and the seed, you will understand so much. And if you think I'm exaggerating that, guess what? Jesus agrees with us. Take a look at verse 13 of Mark 4. Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? Jesus himself said the parable of the sower and the seed is instrumental to understanding everything. That's a big deal. So keep that in the back of your mind. Every individual you run into falls into this category, the parable of the sower and the seed. Every individual, there is no exceptions. Everybody in this room is one of the people in the parable of the sower and the seed. There's no exceptions to this in any way whatsoever. So that means every time I go out there and have a conversation with somebody about Jesus Christ, they are one of the four things in the parable of the sower and the seed. It is that instrumental. And when you understand the parable of the sower and the seed, it completely changes evangelism. It completely changes how you look at Christianity and how you look at the world. It changes everything. Because you get it and you understand it and you say, oh, that person is this. And then when you understand it, it's like, okay, Lord, now I get it. Now I see it. That's why Jesus said this parable is so vitally important. But before we can actually get into the parable, we need to talk about what parables are. Mark 4, verse 1. And again, he, meaning Jesus, began to teach by the sea. And a great multitude was gathered to him so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole multitude was on the land facing them. And he taught them many things by parables. Many things by parables. A couple things here. This is a big deal that Jesus is doing this teaching out in the open. He's not just doing it on the Sabbath day in a synagogue. He's taking the gospel. He's taking the idea of repentance to the masses. Anybody with an earshot could hear him. The, le- the, the lepers that are, that are struggling, as long as they're not near the people, they could listen in. The women could listen in. The Gentiles could listen in. This was a big deal for him to take the teaching there. And he taught them things by parables. So what's a parable? The word parable literally means placing one thing beside another thing. One thing beside another thing. We kind of define it like this. Earthly story with a heavenly meaning. When you study out a parable, it's a story about something that just happens. Generally, it's a very mundane, daily routine thing that happens. Parable of the sower. Guess what? A guy goes out and sows some seed. Some grow. Some don't. There's some weeds. That's the story. It's just an earthly story that then we go back and we get to dissect to understand the heavenly meaning. Jesus taught over 30 different parables. This is the way he liked to teach and he wanted to teach. Why did he like to do it this way? Jump ahead to verse 10, same chapter. But when he was alone, those around him and the 12 asked him about the parable. And he said to them, To you it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God, but to those who are outside, all things come in parables. So that seeing they may see and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand, lest they should turn and their sins be forgiven them. 
Jesus says, I like teaching in parables because it separates people. There's people that don't want to understand they're spiritually closed, then they're not going to get anything out of a parable. There's people that want to get it and understand it. They're spiritually open. They'll get something out of the parable. The ones that are spiritually closed, they see, but they really don't see. They hear, but they really don't hear. Parables separate those that want to know the truth from those that really just don't care. So therefore, Jesus can teach this story about the sower and the seed and 30 other parables. And there's going to be some people that say, wow, that's deep. That's really deep. He's talking about God's word going on and people getting saved. And there's going to be somebody standing beside him and saying, yeah, no, he told a story about a sower sowing seed. Right there, you can tell who wants to get it and who doesn't want to get it. I read this quote about it. The parable conceals truth from those who are either too lazy to think or too blinded by prejudice to see. It puts the responsibility fairly and squarely on the individual. It reveals truth to him who desires truth, and it conceals truth from him who does not wish to see the truth. So if you don't want to know about the truth of the parable, Jesus says you're not going to get it. Just walk away. If you want to know about it, you can get it. You can understand it. Now, that doesn't mean if you hear this teaching of the parable tonight, like, oh, I didn't get it. Does that mean I don't want it? No. Same chapter. Jump ahead to verse 33. And with many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. But without a parable, he did not speak to them. And when they were alone, he explained all things to his disciples. So therefore, if the disciples came back and said, I didn't get the parable, Jesus. He says, okay, let me explain it to you. By you asking for it to be explained, by you putting more effort into it, it shows that you're spiritually open. You have ears and you want to hear. You have eyes and you want to see. But the ones that say, I don't know, I don't care, I don't get it, and they walk away, Jesus says, yeah, you just revealed your heart right there. That's why he teaches these parables, these earthly stories with a heavenly meaning. This is why he uses them. It separates the spiritually closed from the spiritually open. And that's why he says in verse 13, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? This parable, the sower and the seed, that is why it's so vitally important. So now, when we get to some parables here, or any time you study throughout the Gospels, and the subject of a parable comes up, you understand what we're talking about here. Let me say for the third time, an earthly story with a heavenly meaning that separated those that were spiritually open from those that were spiritually closed. And if you wanted to understand it, your ears would understand it. If you don't want to understand it, you would just walk away. And this is how Jesus worked. Now, with that being said, let's go to this really important parable that every single one of us is in and every single person we'll ever talk to is in. Verse 3. Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. And it happened as he sowed that some seed fell by the wayside and the birds of the air came and devoured it. Some fell on stony ground where it did not have much earth, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. Some seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it and yielded no crop. But other seed fell on good ground and yielded a crop that sprang up and increased and produced some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some a hundred. And he said to them, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Say, now right there, rewind the clock 2,000 years ago. You've heard this amazing story about this guy by the name of Jesus. You go and you show up and you can tell that he just looks like any other guy. The Bible makes it clear there was nothing special about Jesus and the way he physically looked. He looked like probably any typical 30, 31-year-old Jewish male. Probably had quite the beard. Just looked like a Middle Eastern man. So you hear him and you hear the stories about this is the guy that raised the dead. 
This is the guy that heals the lepers. This is the guy that feeds the 5,000. This is the guy that does this and does that. And you can't wait to hear what he says. There's this crowd. The crowd is so big that he's in a boat pushed out in the water. And so you're kind of wiggling your way up there to hear him. And you get a chance to hear him. And he tells a story about farming. Why? What, what am I supposed to take out of this? Don't, don't throw seed on hard ground. Okay, I won't. Weeds take out the seed. Yeah, I get that. Some ground produces good fruit. You walk away and you say, why? Why did I walk a day to hear this guy tell me a story about farming? And not even a story about farming. Fast forward, he's going to tell me a parable that you don't light a lamp and put it under a basket? Well, of course not. Right there, my ears are hearing it, but I don't, I don't get it. I don't care to get it. But there's going to be somebody standing right beside me that hears this and says, oh, that's deep. Because he's not talking about farming. He's, he's talking about individuals. He's talking about seeds. He's talking about how we are some. See, it separates. So let's just break this down to make sure we're all on the same page. It, it really is pretty straightforward. That's one thing I love about some of these parables. It's just so straightforward. There's a sower. There's a farmer. He's sowing seeds. Some falls on some really hard ground. It doesn't even penetrate the ground. The seed's just on top of the ground. So birds come and they eat the seeds up. Okay? Some fall on this stony ground with just a little bit of dirt on top. And guess what? Those grow up pretty quickly. But then the sun comes and they get burned up pretty quickly. Okay? Some thor- um, fall among weeds. As they fall among weeds, they get choked out because of all the weeds. Some fall on really good ground. And some produce a 30-fold return, some a 60-fold return, some a 100-fold return. And then Jesus says in verse 9, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. This is not difficult. I take some seed and I go out to this driveway out here. I just start throwing seed. Some's going to fall in the carport. That ain't going to grow. Some's going to fall right there in the driveway a little bit. There's enough little dirt, something will sprout up. Some will fall on the nice soil and will get some good grass. Others will fall among some weeds. Some thistles out there get choked out. So what does it mean? Verse 13. And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then you will understand all the parables? Let me stress to you again, Jesus is saying this is really important. If Jesus is saying this is really important, I want to stress that this is really important. Please remember... As this story goes, the seed is always good. It's the ground that's the issue. Okay? The seed is good. If I go throw seed on 109 out here and it doesn't grow, it's not the seed's fault. It's the ground's fault. So therefore, when some of the seed grows and some of the seed doesn't grow, it's the seed is always good. It's the ground that's the issue. So let's find out what the seed is. Verse 14. The sower sows the word. Right there. Let's make it straightforward. We're talking about God's word going out. That's what we're talking about. Every time we share God's word with people, one of these four things is going to happen. Tonight, one of these four things is going to happen in your lives right now. I'm going to teach you God's word for the next half hour, and some of you just don't care. You're here because either you have to, You're here because you felt like you should. You are bored out of your mind at this point. And the seed right now is falling on hard ground. 
and you are just counting down till you can leave this room. Some of you are going to hear this message and you're going to be a flash in the pan. For the next 20 minutes, you're going to love Jesus so deeply and you can't get, wait to get out there and share the gospel with everybody you see. And then you'll get to be home by 8.30 and forget about it. Some of you are going to hear this and as you're hearing the message, you're being choked out as we speak. Boy, this is really good, but did I need to get eggs? I need to make a note right now. I need to get some eggs. I've got to write that down. I've got to take care of that. Oh, boy, this is a really good message. This is exactly what I need to hear. But, oh, I forgot i got this going on tomorrow. You're just choked out by everything that's going on in life. Some of you are going to hear this. They're going to stop and say, this is what I want, Lord. I want to go out there and sow seeds. I want to go out there and represent Jesus Christ in all I do and all that I say. When I go out and I get a chance to share the Lord with people, one of these four things are going to happen. I've had two good gospel conversations this week with somebody. Two good gospel conversations. Both of them were seeds that fell along the wayside. <laughs> it's not about me. The message was good. I'm not saying it's about me in any way. The message was good. They weren't ready to receive it. They didn't want to receive it. But we still throw the seed out there. So let's just talk about this now. So the sower is sowing the word of God. The first one, what happens? Verse 15. And these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. These likewise are the ones sown on stony ground, who when they hear the word immediately receive it with gladness. But let's back up and look at 15 real quick. These are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. So the gospel goes out, God's word goes out, and it tries to penetrate that heart, and that heart is so absolutely hard the person has no interest in it. I was talking to someone, I believe it was, I was track of time, Monday. And we're talking about heaven. We're talking about hell. We're talking about the God of hope. We're talking about having an eternal mindset here. I mean, we're just talking about all these things. And it's like the person doesn't even hear it. Literally, one ear and out the other. No response. Dawn and I were just talking to someone yesterday. And and we're saying, you know what? As Christians, we believe in the sovereignty of God. And we believe that the Lord is this. Like crickets chirping, no response, nothing. The ground's not ready to receive it. So what do you do, those people that just aren't interested? And the ground's not ready to receive it. Go with me to Jeremiah, please. You're going to run into a lot of people like this. Jeremiah chapter 4. The ground is hard. You're presenting the seed. And it gets nowhere. Jeremiah chapter 4. As you're going to Jeremiah chapter 4. I want to read Hosea 10.12 to you. If you're a note taker. Hosea 10.12. It says, Sow for yourselves righteousness. Reap in mercy. Break up your fallow ground, for it's time to seek the Lord till he comes and rains righteousness on you. Break up the fallow ground. We live in a farming community. You guys know this. And we live in a farming community where the ground is as hard as concrete. We were watching a show the other day with the boys. It was actually, um, oh, it's Little House on the Prairie. We're watching Little House on the Prairie. We're working through that with the boys. And uh, somebody passed away because somebody always dies every episode of Little House on the Prairie. And so somebody passed away, and they're out there digging a grave. And so as they're digging the grave, it's the just softest, fluffiest dirt. 
you've ever seen. And the first thing my boys say is, oh, they couldn't bury somebody in our backyard because <laughs> we have the good old Hoytville clay that it gets dry and it literally is like concrete. You know, growing up as a kid, dad had a little bit of ground that had a little bit of sand in it. And it was just so different seeing that. I did a funeral a couple years ago, and I did the graveside service on a, um, a cemetery just uh, over around Napoleon. And it was on a sand ridge. And the, the guy literally, and I'm making this up, here, here in Henry County, he is a grave digger. He can't use equipment. He literally goes in and still digs the graves by hand in Henry County. And he has to put the plywood down because the sand falls back in on it. Now, we don't have that in our backyard. We have that hard ground. So we know what hard ground looks like. And if you're going to go out and farm that hard ground, what are you going to do? You're going to get a pretty big tractor with a whole lot of horsepower that's going to pull a pretty big piece of equipment behind you, and it's going to break that ground up. And it's not going to break that ground up once. You're going to go over it again and again and again. Take a look here at Jeremiah chapter 4, verse 3. For thus says the Lord to the men of Judah and Jerusalem, Break up your fallow ground, do not sow among the thorns. I don't usually take you for one verse, but I want you guys to read this verse. Break up your fallow ground. You have friends, neighbors, family members, co-workers, fellow students, and that ground is hard. It's hard. They don't even react to the gospel. They don't care about the gospel. I'm telling you right now, until that ground is broken up, the seed can't penetrate. It can't. Don't walk away from those conversations kicking yourself saying, oh, if I just would have said it right, or I should have said this, I said the wrong verse. No, the ground is hard. You throw the seed on the ground and it literally bounces. What do you do then? That's why I took you to Jeremiah 4.3. Your prayer now is for that ground to be broken. Lord, break the ground. How do you break the ground? The Bible says the goodness of God leads to repentance. Maybe the browns can be broken by them seeing the goodness of God. The Bible also makes it very clear that sometimes there's so much pride and arrogance in our life that God has to break us for the ground to be open to receive the gospel. I know of somebody that the way they got saved is by cancer. And to this day, the wife, and he passed away, and to this day, the wife still thanks God because the cancer led him to Jesus Christ. The ground was hard, had to be broken via cancer, for the gospel seed to be planted. So when you go out and share Christ, and that ground is hard and the seeds are bouncing, just remember the parable of the sower and the seed. Some seeds fall by the wayside and they can't penetrate. The ground is too hard. They're not ready. They're not able to see it. For you that maybe got saved a little bit later in life, maybe you can remember this. Maybe you remember someone actually sharing Christ with you and at that moment, not caring. Your ground wasn't ready to receive it. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 as well that people's eyes are blinded by the enemy. They're so completely, utterly blinded. They're blinded by lifestyle choices they're making. They're blinded by this. They're blinded by that. The ground is so hard because of their blindness, the seed just bounces off. That's the first group of people you're going to run to. You share Christ. You give them the gospel. You say everything right. And you walk away saying, what did I do wrong? You didn't do anything wrong. Well, why didn't the gospel penetrate? The gospel didn't do anything wrong. The ground wasn't ready for it. The ground was hard. Let's go to the next one. 16. 
These likewise are also the ones stone on stony ground, who when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness. And they have no root in themselves. And so endure only for a time afterward when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. Our first group don't receive the gospel. The second group receive it. And they grow quick. When we uh, moved into our house and we had to replant the yard, when they came and put the grass seed over all the yard, the first grass to grow was our driveway. And for a brief moment, our yard was brown, Hoytville clay, and our driveway was the brightest, green, luscious grass you've ever seen. And it happened exactly like it says. Sprang up quick, had no depth, and immediately got scorched. So now the driveway is clear of grass, and now we have a yard. You know people, I know people, that you present to them the gospel, and man, they just go nuts. They go absolutely nuts. The problem is not their sudden growth. Because some of you, when you got saved, you had a lot of growth quickly, and it was all of the Lord. The problem is not sudden growth. The problem is the lack of roots, the lack of depth. That's the problem. I know people, I see people, that they hear it, and there's just that excitement. It doesn't mean that they're not saved. Time will reveal whether they have any root in Christ. That's why it's so vitally important, folks, that if you see somebody new to the faith and they have that excitement, get in there, disciple them, encourage them, pray. This is why we keep mentioning praying for these people that got baptized. They took this amazing public step in the Lord, then let's support them, let's encourage them. Because what happens is there can be this excitement but there's got to be roots, guys. There's got to be depth. You've got to be. That's why the Bible makes it so abundantly clear. You need to be rooted into Jesus Christ. Rooted into Him. Once again, let me repeat this point. The problem's not the sudden growth. That's good. The problem is the lack of roots and depth. I want to show you just a couple points that I've heard over the years from this. Charles Spurgeon has a great quote about these type of people. He says, they've been baptized in boiling water. As long as the water is hot, they're fine. The reality of life is, it's not always hot out there, guys. Sometimes it's hard. Francis Chan makes a really great point, and it really hits home. He says this. He says, if you need six accountability partners to keep your walk in the Lord strong, then you don't have a walk in the Lord. Think that through. If the only way you can keep your friend, co-worker, whatever, strong in Jesus Christ is you constantly have to be there and you constantly have to be doing this, then maybe they don't have the depth and the roots that we think that they have. Because I, I can't keep somebody walking with the Lord. That's, that's not my job. That's the Holy Spirit's job. They have to choose to make roots and depth, and it's my job to equip the saints to encourage them. One commentator called these people flames of enthusiasm. They are a brief flame that appear for a little bit. And when you see them, you think, oh, man, I wish I had that excitement for Jesus. And then they disappear. How quickly do they burn out? Oh, man, we've seen it over the years. Sometimes it's one service. They come forward, and there was one just last year. A guy came forward just passionate for the Lord, passionate. Followed up with him the next day. It's like, what happened to you already? 
Just that brief moment is the most exciting thing in the world. Sometimes it's a couple weeks. Sometimes it's a couple months. You know of people, I know of people where you look at them and like, man, they're really, really growing. And you look and it's like, but I, I can't see under the surface. Only the Lord can. So they're on the stony ground that has just a little bit of soil. They immediately receive it with gladness, but there's no root. And as time goes on, days, weeks, months, you start to see them disappear. What makes them disappear? Many different things. Verse 17, they have no root in themselves, and so endure only for a time afterward when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. Maybe it's tribulation. Life got too hard. This is a hard one. Life gets too hard, so therefore God doesn't care. It says in the book of Proverbs, it says, If your faith falters in the day of adversity, then how weak is your faith? We don't like to hear that, do we? But you know people, and I know people, that if everything is going good in their life, the job's good, the money's good, the health's good, the weather's good, the car is good, then they will passionately love Jesus. But as soon as there's any trial or tribulation, then it turns into, God doesn't care, where is God, I pray, nothing happens, and it is this up and down emotional roller coaster in the Lord. You're going to run into those people. And I just want to be really, really loving with you here tonight. Really loving with you. If you're one of those people right now, just be honest with yourself. How deep are your roots in Jesus Christ? If it's going good, you love Him. As soon as it gets hard, where did you go, God? Careful with that. That's why it's so vitally important to be rooted into the Lord. What makes you stumble? I've seen people stumble because they have the wrong friends. They make a confession of Christ and they go right back to the same group of friends. There's no growth that happens there. I see people stumble because they go right back to the world. They jump right back to it. I've seen the summer camp salvations. Happens every year out here at church. Every year. Kids come back from summer camp and for about two weeks they love Jesus deeply and passionately. And that's not to pick on the camp leaders or the camp counselors. Nothing. But what happens is for five days... They have no electronics, no world, surrounded by Christianity, worship, and teaching. And then they have to come back to the real world. And there's no root. I've visited many, many people in prison. Everybody I've ever mentioned or, excuse me, visited in prison, they love God. Hey, I hope it's sincere. Time will tell. I tell you, the tribulation affects people a lot. And God allows that tribulation to come in to see how deep your roots are. What about the next one, verse 18? Now these are the ones sown among the thorns. They're the ones who hear the word, and the cares of the world, and the deceitfulness of riches, and the desire for other things entering and then choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. First group, hear it, don't care. Second group, hear it, go crazy, no root. They disappear. The third group... They're at church almost every Sunday. Now, be careful with this one. Because this one can look really good. They're sown among the thorns. They become unfruitful. Other gospel accounts uses something like this. They bring no fruit to maturity. You go out on the tree and you see the blossoms in the spring. 
Oh, man, we're going to have a great crop. You go out in the middle of summer, and you see the little tiny fruit starting to develop. Oh, man, this is going to be great. You come back in the fall, and there's nothing. The church is full of people that are verses 18 and 19. They are sown among the weeds of this world. And the cares of this world keep them from really going deep in Jesus Christ and producing fruit. The deceitfulness of riches, the desire for other things, they are completely, utterly choked, folks. Their job chokes them out because they choose to seek the career path of advancement and pride and promotions, and they sacrifice their relationship with Christ. They choose to go the path of money, and the world dangles overtime in front of them, and they just take it up and they lose their relationship with Christ. They let their kids, that kids become their focus in all ways and all things. They will spend hours a week making sure their child has everything to every sporting event, every concert, everything. And then they wonder why when their child has grown up, they don't have a deep walk with the Lord because there's been no fruit. Vacations, projects, we can just keep going down the list. Those things in and of itself are not necessarily wrong. They're wrong when you allow it to choke you out spiritually. They're wrong when you make that an idol, and next thing you know, the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desire for other end things, it makes you unfruitful. The problem is, you're kind of growing, it looks like. But you're growing among the weeds. You, you may be at church every single Sunday. You may do the mandatory shift in the back for one month to make Tony happy. I don't know. <laughs> You may serve at VBS here and there. You may do this. You may give. But the question is, are you rooted deep in Jesus Christ? And are you producing fruit for him? Or you just happen to choose how good Christianity makes you feel. And there hasn't been a true sacrifice. There hasn't been a true repentance. There hasn't been a true, I'm really following Jesus Christ. Instead of, I'm just going to church and I like what it does. There was an individual years ago that started coming out here, and he, he was this, 18 and 19. Just serve here, do this. And we just really started realizing as we went on, very active. From a plant standpoint, looked very green, looked like there was growth, but there's no depth. And I just started thinking, you know what? It's almost like he chose Christianity because that's the way it made him feel good. He maybe could have become a Mormon, Jehovah Witness, a Muslim. Whatever one would have made him feel good and accepted him, he could have probably went there and become active in that religious organization. But Christianity, we're very open in the sense of we love and we come in with your baggage and we want to meet you where you're at and we want to get to know you and we want to support you and we want to encourage you. And the problem is sometimes we spend so much time making sure you feel comfortable we forget to tell you you're a sinner heading to hell and you need to repent. And I see people in verses 18 and 19 that are sown among the thorns but the world, the riches, and the desire for other things Guys, there's no fruit. The job, the money, the kids, the projects, the vacations, the whatever. They bring no fruit to maturity. Yeah, you see the blossoms. Maybe you see the little fruit, but you come back in the fall. There's nothing there. This is a one to be dangerous about, folks. 
Because at certain times, you look at those people in 18 and 19, you say, yep, they got it all figured out, they're good. But there's no fruit. What about the last group, 20? These are the ones sown on good ground. And those who hear the word, accept it and bear fruit. Some 30-fold, some 60, and some 100. They receive it, and they bear fruit. That's what separates them from every other group. There's fruit. What does fruit look like? It's kind of a different teaching for a different day. But Galatians 5, 22 and 23 sum it up nicely. The fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Fruits are wanting to see people get saved. Fruits are wanting to see the gospel go out, God be glorified, to see his name worship. According to 1 John, fruit is saying, I eagerly anticipate the return of Jesus Christ. That's fruit. Fruit is, I, I want to be different. I want to be more like Jesus Christ. I want to be an example of him. I want to die and I want him to live. James ceases to exist and Jesus takes over. Fruit, Lord, for you, for eternity. Not just, I like the way church makes me feel. Not just, oh, that's got a really good kids program, or they got really good worship, or they really got this. No, Lord. I want to live for you. And I want to go out there and bear fruit. Some 30-fold return, some 60-fold return, some 100-fold return. Guess what? They're all fruitful. It'd be great to all be the 100-fold, but each one of them is returning fruit for the Lord. Now, I'm not saying that Jesus is trying to be legalistic about this with math, but I just want to break this down for you. According to the parable of the sower and the seed, 25% get it. Think about that. Only 25% get it. So when I hear those survey results that tell me that 75% of Americans are Christians, no, they're not. They may be Christians in name only, but they're not Christians. They're not following Christ. About 25% get it. And I tell you, in my 20-plus years of walking with the Lord, of going out there and witnessing... That's pretty realistic. About one out of four people really seem to stop and say, I really want this sincerely. 25% just don't care. 25% will maybe get really excited. 25% will show up for church. 25% actually really get it. And look at this. Of the 25% that actually really get it, verse 20, one-third of those are out there producing the full return, which seems to be pretty realistic, too, that really only about 8% or maybe going to the full potential that it could be. This is why Jesus said the path is narrow and few will find it. Why are we the only ones surprised by how many people reject the gospel? Jesus made it abundantly clear. The path is narrow, few will find it. And he says in the parable of the sower and the seed, only 25% are going to get it. And let me just go back and just repeat this for you one more time. Every person in this room and every person you ever go out and share God's word with is going to fall into one of these categories. You're either here tonight and hearing this and not hearing it at all and not caring. Or you're going to go share Christ with somebody and you're going to give them the track. You're going to share the... They, they just honestly don't care. That's the seed that falls by the wayside, the hard ground. What are you supposed to do? Jeremiah 4, 3, pray for that ground to be fallow. Pray for the eyes to be open. Pray for the blinders to be lifted, 2 Corinthians 4. You just got to commit that to prayer. The next group, they hear it, they get excited, but there's no root. Boy, that happens a lot. They disappear after a few months or what have you, maybe half a year, maybe even a year. There's just no root, and time reveals there's no root. 
those are ones that are difficult because when you see them from the outside, you think, oh, they got it all figured out. And then however time goes on, you're like, where did they go? What happened to them? No rut. Third group. Third group's a dangerous group. They're really amongst the weeds and they don't even realize it. The world has just got them. The world has got them in that deceitfulness of riches, the cares of this world, the desire for other things. Once again, that whole list of job, money, kids, vacations, projects, sports, I mean, anything you want to fill in there, it just chokes them out. Got to be careful about those things. Then we got the last group. Look at 20 with me one more time. Good ground who hear the word, accept the word, bear fruit. Some 30-fold, some 60, some 100. Man, those are the ones that are exciting to see. Those are the ones that we pray to be. Lord, I want to get out there and represent you in any way we can and just just bear fruit for you. Remember, remember, the seed is always good. The seed's always good. It's the ground that is the issue. We've got to pray for that ground to be softened. We've got to be prayed for that ground to be open. And we've got to be praying for that ground that when that seed is planted, the ground hears it, accepts it, and bears fruit. I tell you guys, when you get this and you really understand this, you start looking at every single person you talk to in the world. It just goes through my mind every time I talk to somebody. They're one of these four people. As I'm sharing the Lord with them, they're one of these four people. And even in the church, when I'm dealing and ministering to people in the church, they're one of these four people. And sometimes you see them and it's like, oh man, I can remember Rich and I would be talking and I'd go up to him and say, Rich, I think they're the ones on the stony ground. I don't think there's any root. So what's, what's, what's offer discipleship to them? Let's really pray for them and just hope to see that there really is a root that we're not seeing. Or you start talking to someone and, you're, and you want it to be deep spiritually and you realize it's not deep to them. They got the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things. That's, that's all I want to talk about. And I'm sitting there thinking, Lord, do they even really know you? And you want to step back and say, well, they have to know you, Lord. They're, they're here almost all the time. They're serving. they got to know you, right, Lord? But have I ever really seen fruit in their lives? I don't know, Lord. I don't know. I hope there's roots there. But I tell you, when you see verse 20, those, the 30-fold, the 60, the 100-fold, man, that's exciting. That's exciting to see. Guys, every one of us is one of these four people. Every one of us is. Everybody we talk to is one of those four people. And when we understand this, this parable helps us explain everything else that we will ever deal with in this world. Everything else. All right, hey, it's almost 8 o'clock here. Any final questions about anything here? Making sure that we all understand this. I want you to get this, to really go out there and live this and always say and do. Any final questions? We good? All right, then let's just be honest here, folks. Psalm 139, search me and try me, O Lord, see if there's any iniquity in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. I'm just going to ask you, are you the seed that fell on the wayside? If you are, you're probably not even hearing me ask you that because you heard me say five minutes to go and you saw me close my Bible up. You're just so ready to get out of here. If you know somebody that's that way, what are you going to do? You're going to pray Jeremiah 4.3. You're going to pray that that ground is fallowed and broken up, and you're going to also pray 2 Corinthians 4 about their eyes are open. Next one, 
The seed that fell in the stony places that sprouts up quickly. Now, be honest with yourself. Ask yourself this. Are you really, really rooted in Jesus Christ? Or does the tribulation of this world, the persecution of this world, knock you down flat, and next thing you know, you just gave up on God? Okay, if that's so, you've got to really learn to look below the surface and really stop and realize, am I really rooted in Him? And if you know somebody like that, you need to go to them and say, hey, are you really rooted in Christ? Yeah, I know you claim Him, I know you profess Him, but are you really rooted in Him? Third one, be honest with yourself. Have the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desire for other things choked you out spiritually? got to be honest with yourselves. Has it happened? And if you know somebody like that, really pray about going and talking to them and saying, listen, I know I see it, church. I know you. I, I see you do this, but i got to really ask you, how is your walk with Christ going? Because I, I don't see the fruit coming to maturity. I see a lot of green growing in your life, but I don't, I don't see the fruit growing to maturity. Maturity, and I, and I really don't know how deep you are in Christ Jesus. Lastly, if you're the good ground, oh, amen. You've heard the word, you've accepted the word, and you're going out there and you're bearing fruit. Some 30, some 60, some 100. Hey, I'm, amen, you're bearing fruit. But we're going to read here in a little bit, to whom much is given, much is required, and to whom much is given, more is expected. There's always more growth, guys. There's always a chance for those roots to go down deeper and deeper in the Lord and to really stop and say, God, I want everything you have for me, and there's more weeds in my life. I'm going to pull them. I want to pluck them. I want to be more fruitful for you in all that I say and do. It's not a have to. It's not a force to. It's I want to. I want everything you have for me, Lord, in all ways and all things. Last verse I'm going to take you to, and then we're done. Can you go with me to Colossians 2? This is what we want for all of us. Colossians 2. I'm a big fan of praying scripture. If you don't know how to pray for people, find the verse that deals with the problem they're dealing with and put their name in that verse. It works especially good if you've got kids at home still or grandkids taking their name and praying their name. This verse right here is a great verse to put someone's name in. Colossians 2, 6 and 7. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Guys, that's what we want. Verse 6, to receive Christ Jesus the Lord, walk in him. Verse 7, rooted in him, built up in him, established in him, being taught his stuff, and then abounding in him. Abounding, not, not just skimming by, not just this little surface relationship with them, but you really stop and say, this is the most important thing in my life and nothing else matters. And Lord, I've truly given it all over to you and, and it, I'm yours. I've died. I like to take this verse and like put my kids' names in it. So, Elias, Lord, just as Elias has received Christ Jesus, the Lord, I pray that Elias would walk in him. I pray that Elias is rooted and built up in Christ and is established in the faith. I pray that Elias has been taught abounding in it with thanksgiving and then going through all the kids' names, putting them in there. 
sometimes taking some of your guys' names and just saying, Lord, I'm just praying this for them right now. It's a double blessing. I don't know what to pray, so God already tells me what to pray, and His Word doesn't return void, so it's like two blessings that come out of it. And I tell you, for everybody here tonight, this this is what we want. Would Would you stand with me so we can pray this into our lives? Lord, as we just come to you now, help us to fully grasp and understand the depth of that parable. That literally every single person we talk to is one of those four people. We are one of those four people. Lord, I pray for everyone here that we would have received Christ Jesus the Lord. That we will walk in Christ Jesus the Lord. We would be rooted in Christ, built up in Christ, established in the faith of Christ. Be taught about him, abounding in it, and have thanksgiving. Lord, in the name of Jesus, we want more of you and all we say and do. Help us to go out and not just talk about it, but to live it. We say thank you in your name. Amen. Hey, you guys have a good week. God bless.